Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Shotgun Tom. Welcome to show number three, everybody. Yeah, we've got three in the books. No, we got two in the books. We've got one right here today. Uh, I want to thank, as always, producer Joe, Alan, our technical guru, and of course, Shotgun Tom Kelly. Uh, for that uh, that great intro, what what uh, Joe? What um, a serious station is Shotgun Tom on? Is it sixties on six? I, you know what? I was listening to that the other day, and I thought it might be the station that he's on. Uh, you got to listen to Serious Radio sixties on six. Shotgun Tom, he's as good as they get. Uh, I also want to thank our title sponsor, Hacienda Casablanca, over in El Cajon. If you've never been there, it's 700 North Johnson, right in El Cajon. Ask for our host, Cindy and uh, Tony. They'll be glad to take care of you. Don't tell them you know me or Joe, though, because then you're out in the back sitting by uh, I don't know who. But anyway, no, tell them you know us. You're not going to get a discount, but you can tell them you know us just the same. Uh, we had a great watch party there last Friday night, uh, although the game didn't turn out to be very, very good. Uh, the watch party was a whole lot of fun. We gave away a lot of gifts uh, to folks that were in attendance. I think everybody had a great time, uh, a good time. And you know what? We're going to have another one because maybe, just possibly, the Padres will be in the postseason. We're going to get into that. Uh, and we're going to get into it with our guest for today. And let me introduce this guy. He's an award-winning journalist who followed the Padres here in San Diego for years and years and years when he was with the Union Tribune. Uh, that's when I knew him best. I mean, I still know him now, but uh, Barry's over in, uh, over in Arizona now. He's worked at MLB, MLB.com. He's been on and off the field for Major League Baseball. He's written for Forbes magazine. He's been a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame since 1992. I don't understand why I didn't get at least one vote. That would have been Barry. But, oh, it was right the year after I retired, so that's why. Uh, he's written two biographies, uh, one of them on Larry Boa and the other one on our own Tony Gwynn here in San Diego. And he's working on a project right now that I'll let him tell us about later, but uh, – it's about the 1984 era of San Diego Padres. And before I bring Barry in, let me add this. In late summer of 19, uh, 2019, uh, a story came out written by none other than Barry Bloom that Andy Green had lost the clubhouse. That story wasn't well-received by a lot of people, uh, including the local journalists who didn't know anything about this. Uh, 
They wrote it off. They said the story was baseless and that it wasn't true. Well, within a handful of games left in the season, Andy Green was let go. And we found out that not only was it in fact true, it was right on. And Andy Green had lost the clubhouse. Uh, Since that time, the Padres have had quite a few managers. Are they going to change after this season is over? Well, we're going to ask Mr. Bloom about that because if there's anybody in baseball that has got a pretty good idea what's going to go on, it's Barry Bloom. Barry, I want to welcome you. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Let me also add my current place of employment. I'm a a senior writer for a sports business platform that that went up about a year, a little over a year ago called Sportico. And it's been a, it's been a good ride. You have, we've written a lot of good stuff on the Padres in the last year too. I'm kind of like every time the Padres, I try to get out, the Padres pull me back in, you know, I can't get away from them. So it's, uh, it, well, I didn't goes. mean to leave out Sportico. We were going to get into that. And, of course, uh, at the end, we'll uh, let everybody watch and know how they can uh, they can stay in contact with you because I think uh, things that you say today is going to interest a lot of folks out there. Barry, the Padres are actually winning another game today up in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, although, the Giants, although the Giants are pecking it away, and it's, it's now 4-2 with a runner on second base. Yeah, but they're they're winning. Like I said, they're winning another game right now. Yes, they are. Okay. They won right last now, yeah. night after losing the first two games in San Francisco and the three prior to that in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I was beginning to wonder whether this ball club was going to win another game. What is wrong with the San Diego ball, ball club as far as you're concerned? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I, I, I just think that, you know, they, uh, you know, they're not, there's not, a, they're not as deep as everybody thinks they are when you have 17 injuries to, to, to pitchers during the course of the season, including all your top pitchers who have got, had to go on the disabled list for one period of time or another, and you don't substantiate the pitching staff at the trade deadline, you know, you're leaving yourself open to a lot of second guessing. And I think it starts with that, you know, the too many bullpen games now during the course of uh, of a run where, you know, you need your starting pitching to put you in position to make the playoffs. You know, you've had the Cronworth injury where he, he broke a finger. Now Snell is on the disabled list with a groin. You know, they're, they're searching around. They're picking up people off the dung heap now to, to make starts. And it, 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 it's not the way you're going to make the playoffs or even if you do, say you do, say you, you 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 have enough left in you to win the wild card. Although I think this weekend in St. Louis is going to take care of it one way or another. Uh, you know, when you if you win the wild card, then how do you even set up your pitching in the uh, in the NLDS against the Giants? I mean, it it, it it's a combination of, of of all of that, and then you know I, you know the way it is. I mean, you played. I'm not, I've covered it. I haven't played it, but I've watched it. When the more you press to try and and get out of these things, you know the worse it, the worse it becomes. And I think the Padres have just, you know, been pressing. 
I mean, you, when you see, you know, the Dodgers get on a roll with their starting pitching like they did last weekend. I mean, I've watched it in pockets all year. You know, you now have Scherzer, you know, Bueller, Urias is, is, is 18 and three. Kershaw's back. Goslin's back. So, I mean, you're, you know, you, they don't have to do any more bullpen games and, and they're in, they're in great shape with a, with a good bullpen if they get through six or seven innings. So it, it, it's very tough, you know, against that kind of team with that kind of depth. My guest this week, Barry Bloom, uh, and I, I'm going to add something and it, I might shock the hell out of Barry Bloom right now, but I'm going to say this anyway. Um, you know, uh, if you've watched my show, my uh, Facebook live deals, my Instagram live deals, you know that I kind of get on the geeks of the game, we'll call them. Uh, the people up in the front office and people down on the field now who have never put on a uniform before. That, in my mind, most of them have no business in the game over somebody that has played the game before. Now, if you're going to enter numbers into a computer, then that's one thing. But knowing about the game is another. This gentleman right here, he knows the game of baseball. So I sit up and take notice when he says something or when I see him write something, because not only I know he has inside information, but he knows the game. Barry, enough pumping you up. Was the Padres not making a move <laughs> at the trade deadline the snafu of the year? Well, they made a move, but they, you know, they got a second baseman who they didn't need and had no place for in in the uh, in the lineup, and they've had to manipulate that around, you know, to get him in. You know, essentially, he was really, uh, I think, uh, preface for them trading other guys for starting pitching, and all of those deals that AJ was working on never materialized, and 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 they were they were left holding holding the bag. I think it's part of it. I think, uh, you know, some of it is that, uh, you know, you have a a situation where I think the team was way over, you know, way over hyped earlier in the season. And, you know, the, I, I think the amount of money they spent on Tatis put a lot of pressure on him. You know, he was uh, he had a bad shoulder all season going back to spring training and even a congenital problem that went back to when he was 19 years old. Uh, you know, it's I, I think there are, it was an overvaluated team just to begin with. And if you look at last season as a precursor to this season, you know, this team broke down after 60 games last season, too, with the expanded playoff format. And the fact that they there was more chance for them to get into the playoffs last year, they got in. Then and their pitching staff was gone by the time they got into the playoffs. Again, after sixty games or even eighty games this year, it was the same thing. The team is just not built for the long haul of a hundred and sixty-two game season. Is there any team that's built for a hundred and sixty-two game season anymore? Well, obviously, you know the Giants are, the Tampa Bay Rays are. The, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Dodgers certainly are. Milwaukee's had an unbelievable season. And, you know, they're, they're the dark horse, man. You know, they're going to be very dangerous against whoever comes out of uh, the Dodger Giants series. Uh, 
if that one does materialize. You know, it, they play Atlanta. They're tough. They finished the season against the Dodgers in L.A. They played them in the playoffs before. You know, those things turn around. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you wind up with a White Sox-Milwaukee World Series. Oh, White Sox-Milwaukee. Very interesting. Um, getting back to the Padres. Do you think there's an issue in that clubhouse? Okay, you know, go back to, to, to 1984 and 85 when you guys were you were battling with Dick Williams all the time. There was always issues in your clubhouse. In 1984, you overcame a lot of those issues and, you know, you battled through them and you, and, and you won the pennant. In 85, you fell a little short because, like this year, they, Jack McKean at the time didn't go out and get pitching at the trade deadline and you guys, which you needed it, didn't have enough to win to, to go the full 162 and win the division very much like this year. So, I mean, can you say that there, there were problems that you overcame in this clubhouse situation in this era? It seems to me that when you don't win and you don't play up to expectations, there's going to be a lot of trouble in the clubhouse. And you've got a couple of guys in there who are paid an enormous amount of money. I mean, three guys like Manny and Hosmer and uh, and Tatis are making almost $800 million. So they're going to control whatever's going on in the clubhouse. And if they don't like what the manager is doing, and you have a manager there with you know, with no experience, and it's he has less experience coming in, you know, Jace did, than Andy Green did coming into the job when they hired him. So, I mean... What would it be like here if you had Bruce Bochy right now as the manager or Joe Madden right now as the manager or somebody with a track record of winning who could sit down and tell you this is what this is what you have to do. And there's a respect factor there that that those players are just not going to have for a manager that's very inexperienced. So I think it's it's a, a cauldron for having problems in the locker room because you're not winning. All right, I think you make a, a really good point. But with that said, if upstairs sees what's going on downstairs, and if it's that obvious to you and to me and to a lot of other people that I talk to and that I'm sure you talk to, who's to blame? What can upstairs do to make the problem better downstairs? Well, how, how far upstairs are you talking about? You're going up I'm talking to about, the, the baseball ops or the owner? No, I'm talking about the ownership and the general manager. Well, first of all, you know, the ownership has to decide whether seven years is enough for the program AJ's tried to put together with little success and whether he has the kind, whether Peter Seidler and Ron Fowler and whatever's part of the ownership group really has uh, a commitment and faith in what AJ is doing at this point, regardless of how long his contract goes. I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter, right? As good a guy as he is, and I like AJ a lot. And we, you know, he's about as inquisitive a general manager as anybody I've ever met. And, you know, to God bless him. And he, he asks me questions, you know, about what, what I think is going on. 
And I try to always be as honest as I possibly can be with them in person as I do when I write about stuff. I'm, as you know, because we battled between each other when I covered the team, when you were there, I was not a hit and run guy. I'd write what I, what I wrote. I'd come back in the clubhouse every day. You guys would take your shots at me and I'd write again. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it's the, that's the way I am with everybody. And when, it, when I wrote, you know, it, the thing about the Andy Green piece, it was like one paragraph in a column about who were the who were the managers who were on the carpet and most liable to lose their jobs this season. At the end of the season, we're coming down to the 2019 season. So I wrote one graph or two graphs on the situation with Green and said his job was highly in jeopardy, and this was the reason, and it it, it got more more uh, exposure than anything else I wrote in the column. And there were eight other guys that I said were on the hot seat, including Gabe Kaplan in Philadelphia, who wound up surviving that year and wound up, you know, doing what he did. And he's a manager of the year candidate now in San Francisco. So, I mean, but uh, there's two things different from now and then I was in the clubhouse every day, you know, where if I, you know, I wasn't there covering the team every day, but I certainly was in every clubhouse I went to every day. Now I haven't been in a clubhouse since before COVID. So we could surmise what's going down in the clubhouse, but I can't tell you that, that I know if people are saying that there's turmoil in the clubhouse, I can understand there being turmoil because the team is not performing up to capability. But if they, you know, are, if they are or are not, I don't know because I'm not there every day to talk to anybody. And, you know, to the point about Green, I sat down with Green about after I wrote that piece. And I said, hey, if you have anything to say to me, now's the time. I'm not ducking out on you at, you know, at all. And he basically said, no, you can write whatever you want. I don't care. You know, I appreciate you sitting down to talk to me. And he was he was a complete gentleman about it. So, I mean, it just goes part and parcel with the job. So going back to AJ, I've been, you know, critical of him in print. I've been critical of him in person. I've commended him when I think he needs to be commended. But, you know, this all starts with, does ownership still have faith in what he's doing? Because you have to look at the guys he's hired, the guys he's, you know, he's picked up in trades. And that, you know, really, to a certain extent, he's got he's made a few good trades, but geez, he's got an odd, a god awful, you know, track record at this point. Well, I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's one point. I think that's one that's one way to look at it. Uh, and I think it's a good way. So in other words, uh, in answer to my question, who's to blame? You're looking at Preller, or you're not looking at management for maybe backing Tingler? Because do you think there's players going up to the front office behind Tingler's back and saying certain things? I don't think so, because Tingler's AJ's guy. So you're not going to go up to the front office and badmouth the manager if, in fact, you know that the gentleman, it's his guy. Okay, well... All I can tell you, and I don't, like I just said, I'm not down there, so I can't tell you what's going on down there right now. All I can tell you is that in 2019, when Green lost the club, 
Manny and Hasmer went to upper management, and I think they went. This went beyond, you know, Preller. This went to Fowler, and they sat down with Fowler, and they told Fowler that they had to get rid of the guy he had lost the clubhouse. So at this point, I don't think they would go to Preller if that's what they did. They wanted to do. They would go directly to Seidler or to Gruppner or one of those guys who are above AJ. What's the purpose of going to AJ? As you point out, you know, Tingler is a friend of his and he's going to want to protect him as much as he can, much like Tori Lovello is a good friend of Mike Hazen's in Arizona. And he, and Mike is going to want to, you know, protect him as much as he can. But, and you get to the point where, at, at some point, you, you have to be the one to to take the blame. You have to say, look, I gave this manager, I hired this manager without any experience. I gave him this team. I, I'm telling him pretty much what to do, you know, because you don't bring in a manager with no managing experience unless you want to dictate the terms of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with that manager. So, I mean... I think, like I told you recently, this is the whole problem with the way baseball runs right now. General managers, by and large, and to a certain extent, and their baseball ops chart out and run baseball ops on the field for the managers. It's an awful job now. I can't imagine our boy Dick Williams ever being involved in something like this. He wanted full control of whatever he did on the field and he used to kick Jack's butt out of the clubhouse, and he didn't want Jack intruding, which Jack tried to do all the time. And it created great tension between those two guys all the time. In this case now, baseball managers are, it's the worst job in baseball. You know, you are a middle manager. You are stuck between what your baseball ops is telling you. You have to defend baseball ops, guys. You have to defend what you're doing on the field to the media. And you have to defend it and sell it to the players. And nobody's stupid. When you see it play out in front of your eyes and it's not working, you can't keep doing what Tingler does or Doc does in L.A. or Boone does in New York a lot. It's like you're defending the defenseless and you lose credibility. So this is where, you know, Tingler loses credibility. Doc is fine because they constantly win. Boone is on a treadmill. You know, you can go through the whole league on this. So, I mean, it's AJ who put all this in place. It's not Tingler. But, you know, just like they made Larry Rothschild take the fall for the pitching staff. But was that AJ's decision and he told Tingler to defend it? I I think so. I don't think that was – Tingler said it was his decision, but I don't think that was an autonomous decision. So the day, uh, yeah, he said a hundred percent. It was his decision. I know that, but did you see that tape? Yeah, yeah, I saw him live when he said it. But I mean, I I think that's his job. His job is to defend and do what what baseball ops tells him to do, and that's why you lose your credibility. You lose your credibility with the media. You lose it with the players, and they think you know you're adult because this is what you're saying publicly. You're, they know you're not telling the truth. So, I mean, it, 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 when the day comes when a general manager, when Andrew Friedman or Brian Cashman, and Cashman is better than most, but if you, all these guys, Farhan, 
when they come down to the clubhouse or the or a Zoom session or an interview room and they say, don't blame it all on the manager. This was a baseball ops decision. He was certainly part of it, but it, it this is a group decision. Don't blame it all on him. Blame it on us. That's going to be the first time it ever happens because so far it hasn't happened. You're watching Dirty Kurt's Dugout, my guest, Barry Bloom. Uh, before I let Barry go, I want to uh, make a reminder to everybody that uh, we're brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca over in El Cajon on 700 North Johnson. We were over there uh, on Friday night, Joe and I, and uh, we had a great time with a bunch of people, bunch of people. And uh, Cindy and, uh, and Tony, the proprietors of the Hacienda Grill uh, and Cantina, Casablanca Grill in Cantina are uh, really revamping their whole indoor system to uh, to take care of the people that we bring in, and we're going to continue to do it. Barry, before I let you go, with what you just said, what managers are on the hot seat right now? And I'm not just talking about San Diego. And if, in fact pretty obvious that some managers will get fired uh, either between now and the end of the year or soon after the year is over. And what are the chances of Bruce Bochy putting on a uniform again? Well, I, I first of all, I think it would have to be, uh, you know, having spoken at length with Bochy about this, and especially even two years ago when he retired from San Francisco and was completely blotted out. You know, I mean, Ron Fowler did talk to him about the Padre job two years ago. He told Ron Fowler that he needed some time to chill out before he could even make a decision whether he wanted to manage again. And remember, you know, Bochy's had, you know, a series of health problems. He's got a history of heart problems in his family. His father died of a heart attack young. You know, he's had, you know, a heart attack himself. He's had you know, a new number of, uh, you know, of, of 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 procedures, you know, to uh, put keep his his uh, circulatory system in shape and his heart rate in shape, you know, whether he wants to come out back at sixty seven years old and manage, I'm not sure at this point. Uh, he would only be in a place like, you know, San Diego, and I just don't see him. You know, I don't think he was a fit with Farhan there. And that's why he was ready to, to retire. I don't think he'd be a fit with AJ here. You know, I, I don't know that AJ has the the strength to deal with a you know with, with a big time, you know, uh, competent manager and allow him to call call the shots. Because you know, certainly Bochi is not going to come in here, or anybody's going not going to come into San Diego or any place without the idea that they're going to call the shots. I mean, like Larusa going to Chicago, he wasn't going to go to the White Sox unless he was calling the shots. You know the, that that's the level of you know he he's a Hall of Fame manager. Bruce is a is an obvious future Hall of Fame manager when that committee comes up again in 2022. And so you know you're not going to put yourself in the situation where you can't do what you want to do. So essentially, to me, to do that and bring a guy like Bochi you'd have to make some change in baseball ops and bring in somebody like maybe Theo Epstein. And I'm just speculating here that would come in 
and hire the and hire Bochi and then would be willing to work with him on a day to day to day basis to make this work and to, and bring it over the top. I mean, it, it to me, you just need, you know, the, you know, Pre, you know, Preller was an assistant general manager in Texas when he came over. You didn't, you don't know how he would, you didn't know at the time how he would evolve. You know, at, at some point you say, okay, the guy who maybe, you know, ended the Red Sox curse and the Cub curse, let's bring him to San Diego because he knows what he's doing to end the, uh, you know, the Capadres curse. And then, you know, you bring in the manager who had him last in the World Series in 98 and, and also ended the Giants drought in San Francisco with the three world championships up there. And really the aftermath of what Boach did there is th- those repercussions are still being enjoyed in San Francisco with the core three there and their comeback this year being like the center of, of, of the fact that they're going to be in the playoffs out of nowhere. So, I mean, really what Boach did and what Sabian did and the bottom line up there and where they've taken it in a new direction that foundation was put in there by those guys and they're still enjoying it there. So, I mean, you're talking about let's get people with a track record of success to try and bring the Padres over the top. And I think, you know, Peter and I think all these guys are smart people that run the Padres and they know what they're doing. And there's going to be a super analysis of this whole thing once it's over. Uh, I think you bringing up La Russa, uh, I'm going to throw out a name, Baker. Right, it's uh, another to one. To fall into the same category as a Bochi. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to point out something that's very obvious. Both Baker's team and La Russa's team are in first place. So maybe there's no more to be said. Baseball people, management, ownership-wise, need to start looking at a combination of not just analytical type of management, but also old school and analytical. Do you think there are organizations that are starting to go back to that a little, Barry? Well, the two that you mentioned, I mean, look, Dusty had the uh, the Astros to the last game of the ALCS last year in the bubble in San Diego. You know, they came within an inch of, of – coming from behind from, I think it was a 3-0 deficit in that series against Tampa Bay and almost won that series. And they finished first in the West last year. You know, he's got the highest winning percentage, in I think, among active managers in baseball at, the, at this point. And he's been, the, even though Dusty hasn't gone over the top, you know, and never won the World Series, every organization he's managed whether it's Giants, Cubs, Reds, Astros, you know, Washington, they all basically had extreme success success with him managing the team. So, yeah, I think there are some organizations that are willing to, to accommodate that. And, you know, I think the Dodgers have come back around after Farhan left and they lost the 2017 and 18 World Series. You know, Andrew Friedman is – is also a very smart guy. And I think he looked at it and he said, what I'm doing is not working here. I've got to give my manager a little bit more leeway to do stuff on the fly on the field and not dictate what he needs to do. Like when they put 
pulled Rich Hill out of that game two of the, of the World Series against the Astros with him have, throwing a one-hitter and allowing like 50, 60 pitches. And they pulled him out because they didn't want him going around the third time in the batting order. And then you look at the stats and the breakdowns and you go, well, Rich Hill was better the third time around than he was the first. So what stats are you using? Is there some proprietary stats that you have that you feed into your computer that I don't know about that's telling you something different? So I think, you know, they have given Doc a little bit more freedom to do what they want to do there. You know, they're starting to come around. So, yeah, I mean, if something's a success, great. But, like, look at Oakland. I mean, even Billy, after a while, when he hired Bob Melvin, you know, after, you know, the managers he had there and, you know, Art Howe and Garen and, you know, it's like people that he thought he could manipulate. He said to me, I said, well, why'd you finally hired Melvin? He said, because evidently what I'm doing is not working. And he let Melvin manage the team. I mean, there's definitely some accommodating to do. There's a lot of decisions that are made as a group, but they give Melvin the chance to manipulate it, you know, once he gets down on the field. So I think more and more, yeah, that is happening in baseball. And it has to. It's just part of the evolution of the game going from one thing to another. Evolution. We all thought it was going the other way and it was never going to stop. Thank God for small miracles. By the way, Padres scored three in their half of the eighth inning. So they're up uh, 7-2 on the Giants now. Hey, the least thing that I want to see happen is for the Padres to beat the Giants and open the door for the Dodgers. So I'm just hoping that the Padres play good against the Dodgers when uh, the time comes. But give me your two picks for the World Series again. I want to write them down and make sure everybody heard right. Oh, I said I wouldn't be surprised if it was White Sox against Milwaukee because so many, you know, they are very strong teams this year. They were built hard. They're managed well. I mean, look, great counsel for my money. You know, I have a manager of the year vote in the National League. You know, my three top choices are Kapler, Council, and Doc. You know, and and I can go either way. You know, Council's done a great job, not only this year, but over the course of time with what they've given him. And it's a much more limited budget there than a lot of these other teams have. So, you know, I, I think, it, you know, it, it, it comes around where, you know, you play teams a certain amount of times and, you, and, and you're eventually you're going you're gonna to win rather than lose. And if they go up against the Dodgers in the NLCS this year, it could very well be they'll, they're going to win. And, you know, the, the, white, the, 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 a, the AL East, you know, is Tampa has, has had a, a really good run. You know, they could go to the World Series again, but I think they're vulnerable to the White Sox. So, I mean, the, the, you know, I'm never right on these things. So you might as well be as outlandish as, as possible. So I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if Milwaukee and the White Sox. <laughs> what do you mean you're never right? Uh, that's pretty never. funny. Okay. So tell yeah. everybody the project that you're working on right now, and then I'll let you go. And then where people can see you where they can find your articles. You mentioned Sportico at the top. I'm sure we're going to mention that again. But what is the project you're working on right now? Well, you know, as you know, because we Ballard, Smith, and I sat down and interviewed you, uh, we're doing a book on the building of the 1984 team, how that happened, 
what were the elements of it, what happened during that 84 season going into 85 and 86 and how it came apart as quickly as it did. Uh, you know, we've interviewed about a do- half a dozen to a dozen players who were on, on the field with you uh, those seasons. You know, we still have a few key ones to go, like like Goose, you know, Nettles, if we can get a hold of them. Uh, you, know, the, you know, we've talked to uh, Linda Smith, to Joan, Joan's daughter. Uh, I think it'll be a, a, fun, a fun book. And it'll also illustrate to Padre fans who are frustrated with the process right now how really tough it is to develop a team that catches lightning in a bottle and, and wins a pennant in a particular year. And if you remember your year, I don't think there was one of the team that was above 500 in your division in the NL West that year. And you won by 10 something games and you ran, ran away going away with it with 92, 93 wins. So, I mean, everything happened right that year. All the acquisitions were right, you know, free agent wise and trade wise, you know, Jack did his part. Ballard, you know, really did, hasn't gotten the credit for the signings of Garvey and Gossage and the trade for Nettles on that team. You know, that will come out. I mean, as come, having covered that team intensively, as you know, I thought I knew pretty much everything that went on there. And through the research of this thing, I realized I hadn't even known, you know, the half of it. So I, it'll be a good book and a good project once we get it done. And as far Barry, as Barry, thank you so much for coming on. What about yeah, if I want to find you besides calling you on the phone, where do I go? Well, you, you can uh, the best way to get me, you know, the stuff I write for Sportico, if you just put Barry M. Bloom and Sportico into a Google search, my column page will come up. Some of those, you know, columns are behind the paywall. I don't control that. Some of them do. You know, the subscription is about $50 a month. You know, we've sold a lot of subscriptions. We just went behind the paywall in July. A lot of people like the like the platform, especially in the corporate end of, of, of uh, sports, of the sports business. And so, you know, we've sold a lot of subscriptions, something like 300,000 of them as, uh, you know, or, you know, whatever. Maybe that figure is wrong, but we've sold a lot of subscriptions. In the, in the short period of time. So the, you'll find me there and everything's always posted on my, on my Facebook page under Barry M. Bloom. And then, you know, on Twitter at, at Bloomski. Well, now that you're making the big bucks, I'm glad to have you as a friend. <laughs> I like it. Well, so I'm next al- time we see each other, you're buying. Hey, that's, I'm almost making as much as you did when you were a player at this point. Oh Yeah. Well, we we don't uh, we don't need to discuss those terms. That's for sure. As Dirty Kurt gets down, dirty. All right, we're back at you with Dirty Kurt's dugout, uh, episode three. We're I don't know three quarters of the way through. Uh, brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, California, where. Producer Joe and I hang out a lot. As a matter of fact, we were there last Friday night, uh, the opening game of the three-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, which didn't fare too well uh, if you're a Padre fan. Uh, the first couple of games up in San Francisco uh, were equally as disappointing. 
So that brought to the Padres, I think before today's game, their record in the last 30 games are like 9-21. and 21. I mean, it's ugly. But yet, they're still in the wild card race. I mean, they're just not in it. They're right there. They're right there. But it's a new team that's taken over that spot. It's not the Reds anymore. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to tell you what a couple of games can make a difference with a ball club. When we were here last time, the Boston Red Sox held the wild card spot in the American League. Well, the Yankees were a half a game out. Toronto back into a couple of games. Seattle, two and a half games. And Oakland, three. Let me tell you where they are today. The Blue Jays are now tied with the Yankees and the Red Sox in a dead heat for the two wildcard spots. So those three teams, it's going to come from those three teams. I don't think Seattle and Oakland are going to put together a seven, eight, nine game winning streak, which I think they're going to need to do, or they're going to have to win eight out of 10 uh, in order to gain any games on these guys. And they're just, you know, it's, it's down to a point where you get three and a half, four games back, and it's just too many to make up when you've got two or three teams in front of you. It's just almost impossible to do. So going along with Barry a little bit, I'm going with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I tell you what, if they get by that first wildcard game, they could be tough. They've got one heck of a team. I've been watching a few of their games lately, and they are are really a really good baseball team. Uh, We started to talk about the San Diego Padres. Uh, being 9-21 and 21 before game, uh, today's game. They're winning this game up in San Francisco today. Even though the Giants are trying to come back, uh, the Padres scored three in the eighth. The Giants came back with one in their half of the eighth. The score is seven to three. And with the Padres hitting in the ninth inning, eh, you know, if it was three or four days ago, I would still be sitting on the edge of my seat. I still feel pretty good about the game up there this afternoon. Uh, the uh, Speaking of wildcard teams, a team that scared me a little bit um, is a team that the Padres are going to be facing this weekend, and that's the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they have veteran players. They've been there before. And here is what I think is the most important part. They play old-school baseball. Or in other words, they play the kind of baseball that is the difference between winning a game and losing a game. When a team that plays old-school baseball, or in other words, fundamentally sound baseball, their pitchers are able to get bunts down in those situations when it's called for. When it's called to get a runner over from second to third. They have players that can do that. The Padres seem to wait until the 10th, 11th, and 12th inning to do those things. And that is only the situation when they happen to have a left-handed hitter up to the plate and they ground out to the right side. These guys got to learn how to play fundamental baseball. 
I appreciate the attempts at bunting for base hits in certain situations by Grisham and, and Profar and certainly uh, Frazier, uh, who's an excellent bunter. But when you attempt those things, when you attempt fundamentally sound baseball, you have to be successful or you have to have a foul ball. What I mean by that is the ball has to be fair or foul. You can't pop it up in the air 40 feet like happened the other night. You just can't have that happen. And is it hard to hit a round ball with a round bat? Yeah, it is. But there's no excuse for not being able to bunt down on the ball if you know how to bunt down on the ball. But you know what? These are things that you have to work on, folks. So all of you coaches out there, help your younger players learn the fundamentals of the game. We're going to have a show on fundamentals of the game just for you coaches that are out there uh, someday soon. As soon as we can get through all of this end-of-the-year baseball stuff and post-game stuff and then collective bargaining agreement stuff, we're going to get to you when there's a little bit of a lull in the schedule. I want to ask you guys something. The Padres play the Los Angeles Dodgers in six out of the last 10 games, nine games. The last three games are up in L.A. the first couple of days of October. Would it fill your heart with joy to not only see the Padres go up there and squash the hopes of the Dodgers winning the National League West while at the same time gaining a wild card spot. I'm really looking forward to that situation. I don't know if I want the Padres to be in a situation where they have to win two out of three in LA to get to the wild card game, but you know what? So be it if it is that. But if they're able to knock the Dodgers out and at the same time game a wild card game by winning two out of three when they go up to LA, I'm all for it. I'm there. As a matter of fact, I might go buy tickets or call my buddy Garvey to get me tickets for that game. Speaking of Garve, let's have him on. My old roomie. Yeah. I think we'll do that. Joe, let's do that, huh? Got to have Garv on in the next couple of weeks. Maybe him and maybe him and Andy Strasburg. Um, and maybe we could have both of those guys on the same show. Yeah, that would be fun. We got to make a note of that. So this is Kurt Bavakwa for Dirty Kurt's Dugout. I appreciate you all uh, watching. I appreciate you spreading the word because the audience that we've gotten and the uh, the accolades that we've gotten the first few weeks uh, that we've been on the air has really been uh, I didn't I didn't suspect it to be as big as it is and I, I appreciate you all uh, I appreciate all of Joe's help uh, appreciate Alan our technical guru's help uh, back east and uh, again. Shotgun Tom, I love the intro, buddy.
So we're going to be back next week. And you know what? Let's just try to bring Andy Strasberg and Garve on next week. So I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and promise you a little bit. It might not be both, but it'll be one or the other. I can almost promise that if I'm going to be on. Let's see. What am I doing next Thursday? Oh, I'm going to be on with you. Brought to you by Hacienda, Casablanca in El Cajon. If you're in the area, 700 North Johnson in El Cajon, stop by and tell Cindy and Tony that Kurt and Joe sent you. Until next week, we'll talk to you.